0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, March 23rd, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. President Trump's plan to build a wall along the southern border faces more than just a challenge to how effective it will be at closing off the border. It would also be one of the largest government takings of private property in recent American history. Ilya Soman, adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute, explains. President Trump has pledged to build a wall along the southern border, Much of that land is owned. It is private property. And in order to build a wall on the US side of the border with Mexico, there have to be those a lot of that property has to be taken. Very likely, That's uh, about 1,300 miles
1: of additional land that would need to be uh, th- that would need to be acquired to build the wall. Something like two-thirds of it is owned either by private parties or by state governments, uh, and of the remainder, there's also some owned by Native American tribes. Uh, so a lot of that land uh, would have to be taken by eminent domain, or at least uh, the owners pressured to sell under the threat of eminent
0: domain. So to what extent can lands that are owned by Native American tribes be taken under eminent domain? This raises some very complicated
1: questions that I'm not sure I'm fully competent to answer, but there are a lot of special laws governing relations between uh, the U.S. government and Native American tribes, so uh, I'm not entirely sure exactly what would need to be done to deal with that area. I'm an expert on eminent domain. I'm not fully an expert on Native American law.
0: There's no question that this is a public use. This is a a government project that would be uh, sitting on government land, this so by the pre-kilo standards of what is acceptable as an eminent domain taking, this certainly qualifies.
1: It does qualify as a public use, even under a narrow definition of public use that you might get if cases like Kilo were overruled. It would be a public use because it's owned by the government and for a a public project. However, there are other kinds of issues that can arise in eminent domain cases, such as whether the government met procedural requirements and also the amount of the compensation to be paid. All right, so that's
0: an important question Uh, for a lot of people. Do they have uh, people who own land along the border? Do they have business interests that extend to the other side of the border, so the taking isn't just the land maybe, but an opportunity to engage in trade or that sort of thing? Some of them do have business interests
1: on both the U.S. and Mexican sides of the border. Uh, Whether compensation would have to include the value of those business interests is somewhat iffy, uh, in that often uh, those kinds of interests don't get fully incorporated into uh, the into the compensation that's mandated by courts, uh, because often uh, they don't take account of so-called business goodwill and the like. Uh, However, uh, in addition. To what's required by the courts. There are some federal statutes governing uh, compensation, including in some instances, you might get relocation expenses and the like. Uh, so, estimating the value of these properties, particularly given their location right near the border,
0: uh, in some cases will be complicated. Assessing the value of land it always struck me as an odd thing because uh, just compensation in in many cases for me, seems to be the price at which you would be willing to sell. And for a lot of people, that isn't at all what they're going to be offered. Yeah,
1: so you might argue that the only truly just compensation is replacing the true value to the individual who owns it, Uh, but the Supreme Court sees things otherwise. What they require is so-called fair market value, which, at least in theory, is the amount the property would go for if it was sold on the open market, which may well be lower than the value the current owner attaches to it. There's a big debate among experts about whether we shouldn't actually be paying more than fair market value in these cases, uh, in principle, you might want to compensate for so-called subjective value as well, uh, the value that the, the owner actually attaches to land. But subjective value is very hard to calculate, uh, and there would be issues with trying to fully compensate it. But even with fair market value, sometimes that's going to be difficult to determine, particularly for land that is in a somewhat unusual location, which is true for uh, land that often is true for land that lies near the border.
0: Okay. Well, here's another question, then we'll move on to something else. Uh, Let's say I have a piece of land and I enjoy looking at the Rio Grande River, uh, something that the wall will end for me and my property. So, your
1: own property will not be condemned, but its value might be reduced because of what happens uh, next door property or to like, most likely, uh, you will get nothing.
0: <laughs> Unfortunate. Okay. So, uh, what are some of the other practical complications here that, that will be coming up? As, as you said before we started recording, this could be one of the largest takings in American history, certainly in in
1: recent federal government history, at any rate, given the amount and numbers of properties that would potentially be involved. So, I already mentioned one issue: uh, doing valuations for these properties, uh, particularly if the valuations may well be contested by at least some of the owners. Uh, Another is making sure that various procedural requirements are met. For example, the government is required to negotiate with these people in uh, "quote unquote" good faith. Uh, also getting Congress to allocate the money needed for the which could be uh, many millions or billions of dollars. So far, uh, even in the budget that Trump recently put forward, it would probably allocate only a small proportion of the money that would need to uh, be uh, used for this. Uh, so, uh, there are a lot of complications. It depends in part how how, long it, how complicated. It depends in part on how many owners choose to contest uh, the compensation amount or some other. Uh, aspect of this, and obviously we don't yet know how many might do so. It also perhaps depends in part on the exact root of the wall, which we also I think don't fully have yet. Uh, So nonetheless, given the large number of properties, uh, it is likely that this could drag on for many months or even years. Uh, I think the other thing to look at here is that this is one of a number of ways in which immigration restrictions and efforts to enforce them impose harm not just on on potential immigrants themselves, but also on native-born Americans, in this case hundreds of people or even more, are going to end up losing their property. In many cases, they will not be fully compensated for their losses uh, because, I said earlier, the fair market value formula doesn't cover uh, a lot of things the landowners
0: actually value. Do we have a sense of how much of the land is owned by uh, Native American tribes? Uh, I don't have the exact figure
1: in my head for it, but it's not a small amount.
0: Ilya Soman is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate this podcast at iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.